Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is a Lip Media Podcast. We acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We pay our respect to elders past and present and the Aboriginal elders of other communities who may be listening today. Welcome to The Gays Are Revolting, a definitive weekly news source for contemporary gays. We put the G in LGBTQIA+, and we're here to help you be the best G you can be. You can follow us on Instagram at Gays Revolting Pod or join our Facebook group at The Gays Revolting. And if you'd like to support the podcast and listen to our after shows, head over to patreon.com forward slash Gays Revolting Pod for a heap of extra content. Ooh, special. Hey, everybody. Hey, guys. Oh, hey. We're one Mikey uh-huh. down. One Mikey down. We've still got the rest of us. Yes. We have your regular hosts with a personality as beige as his outfit at the live show. It's Luke. Yay. Yay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> He hosts trivia on Thursdays, Granny Bingo on Mondays, and countless anonymous men every other night of the week. It's Tom. Yes, I do. <laughs> and it's me, Kyle. The adorable kid. Yay. Of the group. How are we all? Great. I'm good. First Absolutely. episode since the live show. Did you enjoy the live show? I didn't, no. I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't enjoy I don't enjoy comedy. Well, lucky you went. Didn't tell any jokes. <laughs> uh, no, oh my I gosh. thought it, I thought it went really well. It was lovely to see a crowd. I can't believe we sold out. That was so them. cool. Yeah, and they were really very lovely crowd. Really uh, nice and receptive. Cloud. They were a lovely crowd, um, <laughs> yeah. and the you know the Q and A was really lovely, and so many people came for drinks with us at DTs yeah. afterwards, and met some really lovely people. So, so fun meeting. I yeah. ghosted out of DTs. So I know. I did a puke. I got to DTs and then suddenly went. I've not eaten all day, mm. and we and, drank a lot, and we'd been drinking all day, <laughs> yeah. and I've been on like this performance anxiety high. Yeah. For oh about God, hours. I was such a ball of nerves before the show. I was so proud of you Kyle Thank because you, you were so nervous beforehand I was I was like you guys need and to be away was... from me because I'm gonna make like I'm such a ball I had to like go lock myself in another room before the show because it was but so you were stressful. fantastic thank you very much just, yeah, let's do it I'm... 10 more times yeah. people, people came up to me at DT's and they would come up and be like that was great I loved it are you okay though <laughs> like, uh, I'd suddenly thank like, you everyone for me. like supporting us and yeah. and just being like cool. friendly and cool about us like fucking up our cues and <laughs> Like, I don't think I we didn't made any. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know what got me through? I was just like, I love Jennifer Lawrence. People love Jennifer Lawrence because she fucks up all the time, and it's endearing. Be Jennifer Lawrence. So you think you're like Jennifer Lawrence? No, I, I aspire to be like Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Have you had a good week since? Yeah. Well, I kind of. You've been working like crazy. I've been working like crazy, and I had a, like the only thing I schedule in my life is my mental breakdowns, mm-hmm. and so I like scheduled that for the day after. Oh, perfect! The Thank live you for that. Show. Right. You're all welcome. <laughs> and so basically just had that for a few days which Cute. has been nice tonight we've got dr george in yeah. so i'll probably just ask him for help to get through this next week oh we don't have enough time and- <laughs> <laughs> oh it's also time to block mikey on instagram because the travel stories oh yeah i it's the first week without mikey <laughs> yeah, yeah. Levanting, he already lost his like luggage and stuff really yeah he swapped it with some other lady and then went gallivanting with her stuff. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see him in like a lovely power suit walking yeah. around oh, Buckingham Palace. Great. I um I don't know if you remember, but at the live show talked about how I was going to go to that sex party. <gasps> yes. The Saturday sessions party on the weekend. My friend that I was supposed to be going with mm-hmm. chickened out and oh. uh, I couldn't find anyone else to go with me. So yes, I, I will go. No, yeah. going. <laughs> I wasn't going to 
dollars. No, no, that wasn't that. That's trough. No, 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 that's that's trough. trough. Trough was seventy dollars. Oh, okay, the sex yeah, party yeah. was twenty five dollars. Okay. So yeah, my friend chicken out, and as we read out in the uh, episode, it is recommended that you for the first time go with a friend, and I couldn't find anyone to go with, but I did have a whole lot of friends going to trough, so I yeah. went to trough instead, and that was that Good experience. Yeah, it was. In, I haven't been for years. I went once years and years and years ago. It was the first time I'd been since then, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it's even too intense for me. And really? I'm pretty, I'm pretty That's good with surprising. Yeah. Because so trough is a sex on site premises, but it's it's sort of uh, usually around about every six weeks or so. Seventy. But it's not like a fixed place. It's like a night, right? It's like a party. It's a night yeah. at Club Eighty. Uh, yeah. They also do it in other venues in other states, but I don't think it's as intense as the Melbourne one. So they've got a few mm. different levels. There's like a dance floor level, and it's that sort of very poofed yeah. or except everyone's in like jock straps. Yeah. And I was at um, <laughs> I was at a onesie party on Saturday at some of the house party, yeah. and then everyone we found out was going to trough afterwards. Right. So they were stripping off their onesies and, and then like in jock straps yeah, yeah. and I was like, oh boy. And then um, the other upper levels are, are for sex. Yeah. Uh, and look, it was fun. I had a fun time. I wasn't like sitting in the corner crying. But uh, <laughs> this time. <laughs> Not this time around. <laughs> but it was uh, that, like, I love going to wet where there's lots of sex happening and I love going mm-hmm. to. Is it just more relaxed? Peel or poofed off or something when there's lots of dancing happening. But for some reason, putting those two worlds together was just Quite a bit much. But you know, I did, gave some head on the dance floor, which was fun. Oh. Got some head when I was on a podium. So- At one point, I was making out with this um, lovely oh uh, bear couple. <gasps> and then we were going to go get a room and we went to walk across across the dance floor which was packed and it was dark and I was a bit drunk and I had a little bit of coke and <laughs> I took a step and realised I was about to step onto this podium so I stretched my leg out to no. step over it and lost my balance and fell and skinned my shin all the <gasps> way down and Ooh. someone had to help me get up and then I turned around and the couple that I was leaving with had disappeared oh, <laughs> they were sexy. like now's our chance <laughs> but I did have some sex with some beautiful men but yeah it just wasn't my thing although I did I, one of the friends that I did end up going with oh, no. so I was up in the there's like a you know maze area with cubicles maze area yeah <laughs> Like with hedge. like cubicles and stuff <laughs> and he and his this guy that he was with were really high and we're trying to get someone to come into the cubicle with them but weren't having any luck so he was <laughs> the guy had his ass out <gasps> out from the door and my friend was hiding behind him with his hand using his hands have you ever seen Ace Ventura when he gets his ass to talk oh, yeah. he was no. doing that with his friend's ass Shut being like up. come in here with come us on, oh yeah. no and I walked past I was like what the fuck are you boys doing fuck it. okay I, anyway so I, it's, I look, it's, go it's good fun and I, for anyone that's into that uh, that I might give it another shot. I don't know. I just you're like maybe two wasn't the time. best night I've ever had, but it wasn't awful. Maybe you need to be in the right mindset. Yeah. You have to be in that trough. And it was a very last minute thing. You have to be prepared of, to make your butt talk. Got in the zone <laughs> to, to do it. I think that's a Janet Jackson song. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Welcome back to the show, Dr. George. So Hello. nice to have you back again. Thank, Thank you for you. being I'm, here. I'm, I'm here and I'm, I've got the most wonderful view of... Luke. All, yeah, yeah, yeah. All, of these, all of these wonderful people. And the best dog tapestry in the world. Isn't it world. stunning? <laughs> I was like, his name is Luke. Uh, I'm not going to yes, talk about are, the dogs I, playing poker this episode. Oh, your we are a very cultured uh, podcast. Like if I brought my artwork. big purse, it would totally be coming home with me. I love it. And we are so thrilled to have you back. We've had great feedback each time you've been mm-hmm. on the show. And people have sent in some very exciting questions. Before we get into questions. Uh, we have our important we have disclaimer. To do a disclaimer. Because I am a doctor registered in Australia. Um, however, the information that I'm going to be providing is general in nature. I'm not able to provide full medical services for people <laughs> that I've not been able to examine or properly meet. If you have a medical problem, please, by all means, go and see your doctor. Or if it's an urgent problem, go to the hospital, please. All right, I'll okay, go done. now. <laughs> you guys have a good episode. Actually, um, Dr. George, after your last visit, I actually checked in and went and got an STI check because it had been ages. And the doctors actually knew who you were there. And it was a really oh nice God. experience. Yeah, yeah. I assume so they're famous. I'm medical. <laughs> Most famous. of their uh, referrals come from Dr. John. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, honestly, but I have to actually say thank you to you guys because I've had people come to me after listening to this podcast. So oh, thank great. you very much. I'm no, very appreciative. I'm so glad. So, well, that's what it's all about. Starting yeah. conversations and making connections and make hopefully sharing some information that makes people think. Come yeah. to others and come on others. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And come confidently on others oh, knowing good. that they're come getting their regular checkups. Is what I say. <laughs> 
Now, uh, as I say, we have had lots of wonderful questions sent in by people, but the first mm-hmm. one's one that we wanted to ask you because we talked a bit about intermittent prep last time you were here. Mm. Um, we wanted to give you a bit of an opportunity to talk about this development that's recently happened. Uh, occurred last week at the World AIDS Conference. The World Health Organization gave an endorsement for intermittent prep. Why is this exciting news and how can people decide if it's a suitable method for them? And maybe we could just recap what it even is. So, look, a lot of really cool stuff came from AIDS-19. Yeah. That, that was in Mexico and it looked amazing. So, good things came from that. First thing was the CDC absolutely reassured us, U equals U. Undetectable mm-hmm. viral loads cannot be transmitted. This mm-hmm. is a fantastic thing. U equals U 100%. Mm-hmm. 100%. That's wow. great. It's fantastic. They also endorsed daily prep. Or if it's not taken daily, people who take a minimum of four tablets a week Mm. are being offered 99% protection Mm. against HIV infection, which is amazing. Now, there were some people who said, well, why can't they say it's 100? Well, because it's not 100%. Mm -hmm. Worldwide, there are three cases that have been investigated and documented that people had become HIV positive whilst taking the tablet on a reliable basis. There have been cases where the strain of HIV is resistant to both of the drugs in PrEP. Right. So we can't say that it's absolutely perfect, mm-hmm. but we know it's pretty darn good. 99% or more than 99%, when you compare to condoms, now mm. condoms have saved many, many lives. But we also have to acknowledge that they're not 100% either. Yeah. With the rates going from somewhere around about the mid-70s up to about 91%. If they're used at all. If they're not used, yes. then they're, they're very unsuccessful. And that's the other thing is that it's got to be something you consciously do at the time of having sex, which if you are drunk or having just a lot of fun, it's not the first thing you think of. Whereas prep is something yeah. you can be taking in the morning and then not having to think about it when you're Absolutely. at Wellington in the swing. A single tablet <laughs> taken every day reduces your risk of HIV yeah. infection. I say this every day at work. However, there is another thing is that the CDC was basically saying, look, we also know that intermittent prep is an option. So what is intermittent prep? Um, it's got a whole bunch of names. It's got like prep on demand, mm-hmm. 211. Is it the same as dosing? Um, intermittent dosing okay. is probably closer to it. But basically, not everybody has enough sex to warrant taking a tablet every day. Mm-hmm. So if you are having periods of risk, then this is a really good option. Or if you have some of the side effects that can prevent you from taking prep every day, like gut upset. Mm-hmm. Some people, their kidney function can be a little bit wonky, but we know that if you're only using it every now and then, it's probably not going to affect the kidneys in a big way. Mm-hmm. So the thing about intermittent prep, though, is yet you must be able to predict how you are going to have sex. Mm-hmm. That is, you need to take two tablets, two to 24 hours before you have sex, And that allows enough medicine to be in the body in the right places it needs to be to offer protection. Mm. Then if you do have sex, you take a single tablet of PrEP 24 hours after the first two, Mm -hmm. another 24 hours after that last one. So Mm -hmm. two, one, one. Mm -hmm. And you continue in this pathway until 48 hours has passed free of sex. Imagine being that organized with your sex life. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's like sex could happen at any given moment. But it is moment. good to know for people that, well, I mean, some people are in areas where they can't afford to yeah. go on prep. Yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In other countries. But also people that, you know, have side effects mm. that preclude them from being able to take it daily. It is good to know that there is that option as well. Totally. Yeah. Oh, I'm not ragging on it. I'm just saying, no. like, I, I couldn't mm. imagine being like, I'm going to have sex in two weeks. You've well, just self declared. <laughs> you know what that means. But you, the thing is that that's important and you have to acknowledge that that if you know that sex can be random for you then intermittent prep may not be the best option for you i guess if you're using this method it's you don't have to know that you're having sex that night you have to know that it's a possibility so if you were going out you could Mm. take your two pills and then if you don't pick up or if you don't end up at wet or whatever you don't have to have the one the next day because you didn't have sex it's exactly exactly if you don't have sex then it's okay you you took two tablets and that's fine you've still got plenty in the bottle okay cool but i think it's a really really good option yes there are skeptics Mm-hmm. Is there enough drug in the system and all that sort of stuff? Mm. They also said that there were people who became HIV positive whilst using intermittent prep or whilst participating in the intermittent prep study. Right. When they did further questioning, the people had actually stopped taking the tablets 
and then subsequently had sex in a way that could lead to a transmission of HIV and that became HIV positive. Mm -hmm. So the basic message from CDC is that it works, but you have to take it and take it as prescribed. Mm -hmm. So leading on from that, we actually have a question from a listener named Simon. He says, I've heard that a company in the US is developing a PrEP implant to be inserted under your skin to intermittently release the drug in lieu of taking a daily pill, using the same method as birth control prevention for a lot of women. Do you think this is a safe option if and when it becomes available? I think this is a fantastic... Like, this mm. is the ultimate set and forget, oh. right? Mm. So, the drug, Isla Trevia. Isla Trevia. <laughs> Sounds uh, like the opera. <laughs> it's an amazing drug because you only need a tiny, tiny, tiny amount for it to be mm-hmm. protective in the body. So, what this means is that you can get a plastic rod, soak it in the drug, mm-hmm. and insert it. So, the study wasn't huge, though. They only had 16 people in the study. So, right. it's not a massive study. And they had two different doses. They had a low dose and a higher dose. And what they found was that with the low dose, the amount of drug in the system dropped after about three months. Mm -hmm. So the higher dose is looking a lot more promising. Mm -hmm. Now, for the female listeners, you may have heard of Implanon, which is an injectable Mm. long-term contraceptive. And Implanon's great. And the reason it's great is because, one, it's set and forget. But the other thing is that... If you live in a situation where you can't take tablets because you might be under oppression or something like Mm -hmm. that, or you Mm -hmm. can't afford tablets Mm -hmm. and stuff, this is a great option. So the same with PrEP. If you are worried about potential infection for HIV, but you can't have the tablets at home, Mm -hmm. i.e. your husband may find out, or you're a worker in the sex industry or something like that, then this is an opportunity for you to have protection against HIV Mm. that's not dependent. I thought about that element. Yeah, Yeah, Yeah. it's amazing. So, you know, people in prison, Mm. there's a lot of HIV transmission in prison Ah. because they don't give out condoms, they don't give out clean fits because people don't use drugs and people don't have sex in prison. That may be an option for people within prison as Mm. well. You know, domestic violence... There's a whole range mm-hmm. of things. But the other thing is if you if you live a chaotic lifestyle, then this is a great set and forget. Like mm. we were talking about with the intermittent prep that mm. does involve a, a bit of planning. This The biggest plan you have to do is set something in your phone to remind you in a year to go and get a new one. So, so the plan is it would last for a year. That's the idea is oh, that amazing. if they can get the dose right and they yeah. can make mm-hmm. sure that there's enough chemical in the body to protect against HIV, then it would be a yearly implant. That's fascinating. It's very futuristic. Yeah. A few of my friends have implants. That scares the hell out of like, me. Also, like, what if someone like punch you in the arm? Would that affect it? Like, would it break inside you? Or look, the implants are, are pretty robust. Yeah. And the the interesting thing is that a lot of a lot of women don't like implanton because if you go into a nightclub, mm-hmm. they glow in the dark. Oh, under, really? Under oh, black under light. Your skin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, so it, oh, it's literally it it sits it between the, the groove of the bicep and the tricep right. on the mm. inner Whoa. side of her arm. You know, I don't know whether these are going to be glow in the dark, but I think that should be an That's option. That's cooler. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, I'm, I'm, cool, I'm yeah. definitely yeah. going to glow in the dark. You seem um, hot. Put your hands above your head. <laughs> You're really hot now. A <laughs> uh, follow-up question. My friend's favorite video game is Zelda <laughs> Ocarina of Time, and he swallowed it. So it swallowed would be the, swallowed the, the, cartridge. the game cartridge. Yeah, so it would How be a part that? of his... Like, this is obviously not an Atari, because that's, that's a big... <laughs> <one. It's laughs> like, like, see, I'm old. Big. <laughs> okay, just like for the listeners, he just gave me an okay <laughs> sign. Oh, yeah, a 50 cent piece. It's like a say. 50 cent piece. Is that okay? Or is, Has he passed it? I wouldn't it? recommend it. Because it's got like chips in it. He wanted the dreaming? data to be a part of his body. That's yeah. pretty good. <laughs> Can you never bring that That's friend to drink? <laughs> no, please, people, don't swallow computer games. Okay, <laughs> cool. Well, I'm done for that. That's a firm no from me. Good. Okay, our next question's anonymous, so you know it's going to be saucy. <laughs> no. I like anonymous because it reminds me of, like, the Dolly... Dolly Doctor. I was, sealed yeah. section, you yeah. know, you're pulling it open. Anyway, anonymous has asked, Hi, Dr. George, I'm 23 years old, I wish, and have erectile dysfunction. My doctor has told me that my testosterone levels are normal, so I've assumed it's due to anxiety, as I'm a highly anxious person. I'm now with a partner who I'm madly in love with and feel very safe with, but I still have difficulty maintaining an erection. I take medicine to help, but what else could be the cause? I feel like they know. Do we go <laughs> do we go into the wonderful world of erections and how you actually get an erection? Here's how you get an erection.com. So 
the brain gets horny, right? Mm. Then the brain sends an electrical signal down through the nervous system yeah. to the blood vessels in the penis and says, open up, send more blood through. <laughs> so really straightforward. Here's the thing, though, that if you are, say, being chased by a lion, you are going to redistribute all of the blood in your body to your legs so you can run away, to your eyes so you can see, to your ears so you can hear. That is true. Yeah, Do I you need confirm. an erection? <laughs> I am from Africa. <laughs> you don't need an erection when you're being chased by a lion. Mm. You need to run a- true. away. So the brain in modern times can't mm. tell the difference between being chased by a lion and the embarrassment of a slightly wobbly penis. Mm. So anxiety is the number one killer of erections for the vast majority of people. But then there are other things like diabetes. If you have diabetes, it can affect the nervous system and it can also affect the blood vessels. If you have heart disease, it can affect the nervous system and the blood vessels. And if you are on anxiety medicines, it is really struggle. Like some Mm. drugs will delay ejaculation some drugs will make it near impossible to gain an erection. So it is really important that if somebody's living with anxiety, it could be anxiety that's making it harder to get an erection, Mm -hmm. but it also could be the drugs used to treat the anxiety. I suppose that the big thing is learning to relax, that having an erection isn't the be-all and end-all of sex. There are lots of great ways to have sex and you don't need erections for all of them. Massage and, you know, cuddling and Mm -hmm. catch and kiss. There's lots of things. (laughs) Yeah, I think the conversation is probably because when he's when this person is saying I take medicine to help, uh, I'm assuming they mean with anxiety. I was thinking more or about with the erection. Or with the erection. Or with the erection. It's hard to um, say. It's hard to tell, but I know from personal experience with partners that have struggled with erectile dysfunction, it, it's so similar because it was tied in mm. with anxiety, and they mm. were also on. Um, medication for their depression. Mm. It actually ended up being none of those things. It was just about being able to have a conversation where I said, hey, dude, I'm not going to flip out or like mm. walk out. Yeah, I guess because you you're closely thinking what boner, the other person's thinking. Yeah. yeah. You know, I'll just go play my DS for a bit and then we'll try again in mm. like half an hour. And, and if no one swallows just... the cartridge, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where's that game? <laughs> um, but I suppose the other thing is that why not just stop and, and just chill for a little bit mm. and have a chat? And, and then you there's might... other fun stuff. Like I've been with people that have had erectile issues and there's other fun stuff you can do and just not worry about them being hard and then yeah. quite often it will catch up it's a it's a fun sport and you don't have to have yeah. a racket for every game awesome. is it true that um excessive alcohol or recreational drug use can also oh my god yes. i mean i know while like, you're <laughs> drunk or whilst you're on drugs but or like a last can, if you have that build up and then you would be sober well, yeah, certainly. I think there can be um, effects to the blood vessels and stuff like that from mm-hmm. some drugs. But like, if you're using a lot of alcohol, then that's going to be problematic. It, mm-hmm. it reduces testosterone levels. Any substance use is going to cause problems. Methamphetamines makes it near impossible mm. to gain an erection as well. I suppose the other thing is, to be really frank, is that if this person is, say, taking a, a, one of the drugs to treat erections, Viagra, Cialis, Levitra, they're the big three on the market in Australia. The thing is that, remember, we were talking about the brain has to be engaged. Mm. All that drug does is amplify the signal from the nervous system to the blood vessels. When you take the tablet, it doesn't mean you have to walk around for the next four hours with a folder. Mm. It actually means that it's just easier to gain and maintain an erection. But if you're still stressed out, the tablet's not going to do anything. Yeah. I think situational Mm. comedy has taught me wrong about Viagra. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, It's true. It's not like carrying a towel around the gym kind of thing. Yeah. Um, Our next question is, again, an anonymous one. And it's about one of my favorite topics, which is fetishes. Uh, This person says, I have a major fetish for all things feet. Socks and sneakers I also are you okay so far Kyle (laughs) I also have a really uncommon related fetish called trampling where I get off on people literally walking all over my body it's often hard to find people willing to indulge me in this what advice do you have for people with unusual fetishes particularly as for me it's almost impossible to get off without it is it ever possible to get rid of a fetish I sometimes wish I could well, it's an interesting wow. one. Like trampling is a very... I always thought that trampling was quite a heterosexual fetish because a lot okay. of people tied it to like high-heeled shoes. Yeah, uh, I always, yes. that's what I thought you meant. Like when women step on guys' balls and stuff. With Well, pretty much the same, yeah. but with, with a guy. Yeah. Sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. Like a nice pair of high tops or yeah. something oh, like boy. that. Still be in heels, yeah. <laughs> sure. I know some men who dresses. In heels. Yeah. Tom. <laughs> mm. Yes. I wear a very sensible kitten heel. Though. <laughs> that is a very good idea. Nobody wants a broken hip so young. Especially when you're trying to balance on someone's back. I wouldn't back. say so young, Dr. George. <laughs> <laughs> younger than me. That'll do. Um, 
Gosh, okay, this is a really, it's a bit of a tricky one because there's nothing wrong with being turned on by something, right, mm-hmm. and having a quirk. But if it becomes a must-have item, mm. then that could become problematic. Mm-hmm. And I suppose that are we looking at, is the person that you're having sex with just an accessory to that object? Right. Or is it at the point now where you're spending thousands of dollars on shoes and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm within the fetish community. So I'm, mm. I'm always going to say, well, there's nothing wrong with having a safe, sane fetish. Yeah. But if you're finding that it's affecting your ability to relate with other people, mm. if you're finding that it's affecting your ability to have sex in a way that's enjoyable, mm. then I don't think it's a great thing and this is where talking with a psychologist is a useful thing yeah and i suppose the reason is what's the connection and when you have an understanding of that then maybe you could add other things around it so if you're into feet then maybe you could incorporate it into legs and mm. massage and stuff like that yeah when i went reading this i wasn't that shocked by any of it until i got to the line about it's almost impossible for me to get off without it yeah. and that's the bit that to me sort of seems like the thing that you want to sort out because once mm. you start depending on one specific style of having sex mm. I think is what you're saying is mm. going to stop you from developing relationships with other people which mm. might lead to further yeah. mental health issues and I suppose the other thing is like every fetish in the world has probably got a Facebook group mm-hmm. but the other thing is that you can find a group of supportive people around that but also find a group of supportive counsellors who you will be, you'll be able to talk with and say look I'm finding it a struggle to have sex in ways that isn't associated with this fetish and it's starting to worry me. If that worry is there, then it's worth having a chat with a professional Mm. about. It's not always easy to find a fetish-friendly psychologist, but this is when you're engaged in a community that you can start saying, hey, does anybody else have a psychologist that they see? Mm -hmm. And that's a really good opportunity to to start researching. And within your own community, then Mm -hmm. you can start saying, hey, well, you know, in in some ways within Melbourne, I've I've gotten a, a rep for some of the fetish people to come and see me because... They know that I'm like, oh yeah, okay, sure. You do mm. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Well, sure, okay. Let's let's find a way to make it better for you. And it's interesting that even in Brisbane, one of my heroes, Dr. Wendell Rosevier, mm-hmm. he looks after people who have been the victims of sexual abuse, but also the perpetrators of sexual abuse. Oh, okay. And whilst that's not a fetish, mm. right? It's a it's a terrible thing that happens to people. Mm. But he's got a whole community around him mm-hmm. and he, he creates a space where people can be honest. And that's what I think is important is that this chap, I'm assuming it's a chap, is concerned about some of his fetish. So let's find people who can, he can be honest and supportive yeah. with instead of it being hidden away and, mm. and secret. Mm. We've had people approach us. Mm. I work in a site practice and mm. approach us for similar questions because it started to affect their it's become a problem everyday for them. Yeah. enjoyment. Yeah. Mm. Or it's raised a red flag. They're con- suddenly concerned about their own behavior. And if if, mm. if you're concerned about your own behavior, mm. it's it's enough of a sign to talk to a professional. And it is a very non-judgmental environment. Mm. It, none of the psychs I've ever worked with have been like, oh, I don't want I to work with this. that. Yeah, or really. that's yeah. too far out there. It, mm. it, it's a really safe space, I think, to say this is something that I just want to discuss because mm. things always have an origin point. And, a, and, mm. and yeah. once you have a better understanding of how you work mm. upstairs, everything else seems to fall into place around it pretty easily and, and like pretty nicely once you... what's the ma- It's like looking at a magic eye picture. Like you've been looking at it yeah. for ages. Mm. And, and sometimes it's not until you talk to a professional or a psychologist that you learn how to focus your eyes right and go ah that's what i'm looking at it's often (laughs) (laughs) but yeah i i absolutely agree that sometimes when you explore it and take some of the mystery away from it then it also your fixation on the fetish might diminish a bit as well Mm. (laughs) we got a few foot messages on our recent yeah more like directed at tom (laughs) yeah we did a photo shoot (laughs) with our feet out and a few people were big fans of it so thank you thank you for the lovely messages (laughs) and the tribute shot that i got People must yeah. get excited for summer then. It's like, yeah, oh, I know. All those little also, I have hideous oh, looking, hobbit looking feet. And- Maybe they're more into that. Just we didn't know that angle. We were just literally like, yeah. let's lay on the floor and take some photos. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> See, and that's good though, because it all passes the tumbler filter too. Yes. Oh, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Relaxing in the bed. <laughs> all my clothes pro- on we'll except remember that socks. for our next version. <laughs> um, we have another question from an anonymous listener. Uh, they say, what factors make regular sex with only casual partners unhealthy? I worry that I'm being reckless by sleeping with sometimes multiple people a week. How can I change this feeling that I'm being unhealthy by doing so? 
it's an interesting one because I think sex is a great way of meeting mm. people. Mm. So the number is kind of irrelevant, really. If, you, yeah. if you're having sex with, you know, multiple people on the week, then more luck for you. Mm. Your, your scruff profile is obviously better written than mine. <laughs> um, but similar to the previous question is, is it affecting your ability to live life? Mm. Yeah. Are you seeking anonymous sex in a way? Are you spending hundreds of dollars going to sex on-premise venues mm. or buying pornography? Or are you missing out on work because you're seeking mm. sex? Yeah, That's the thing to look at. But, you know, there, there used to be people who would say, oh, if you sleep with a lot of people, then you're a slave. Mm. I, th- I think you can you can have sex with a lot of people and treat them all wonderfully. I don't think that's slutty. I, I think that's just being a good person. Yeah. I think you can treat people poorly and ha- be having sex with one person. Mm-hmm. I think we all know those relationships. We oh, yeah. I've personally been in one. So yeah. there you go. But I think the most important thing is just understand what are you getting from the sex? Are you seeking something that you think sex is going to give you but may not actually be giving you? The thing is that when you're younger, one of the things that you get from regular like sex is a little boost of dopamine and serotonin. Mm-hmm. So when you ejaculate, you get this little burst of serotonin. It's the same drug that gets people addicted to Facebook. It's the same mm-hmm. drug that gets people addicted to poker machines is that nice feeling. Mm-hmm. Tattoos as well. Oh, yeah. Really? People get really addicted to tattoos. Mm. It is true. So I suspect that you need to look at the way that you're relating to the people rather than forget about the numbers. Unless, again, if you're having sex with hundreds of people, then you know where I work. Um, (laughs) And please, that's another thing that came from AIDS-19 was that we know that regular sexual health screening is bringing the numbers down, Mm. not up being a you know a sexually responsible citizen and if you're treating people well as you're having sex with them then you might meet some buddies that you really like and they might become a regular you know a regular fuck buddy and then after that they might become a friend and then they might become a partner mm. keep your receipts good because because um, <laughs> that pretty Tom. much described me <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's it's, what i do it's because they're saying how do i change this feeling that i'm being unhealthy yeah. It's like it's the it's, sex is making them feel something. I often feel, feel like whenever I've met people way. like that, it's because they're they're judging themselves on like the expectations that heterosexual yeah. people have on the rules around sex. We have these heterosexual friends that have much more sheltered lives, quite often, I mean, not always, but quite often, mm. and they they judge them on their rather vanilla suburban colleagues. <laughs> Look, I think there there is that heteronormative belief that you're going to find one person, yeah. and then when you get married, apparently everybody else in the world becomes ugly, mm. <laughs> and that's just the way it is. And I'm like, no, if, <laughs> yeah. you know, I've I've got my partners, and and there are a lot of very sexy people around in the world, and I enjoy having sex with them as much as anybody else. Mm. It's not necessarily healthy or unhealthy the way you have sex it's the way that you're looking at the sex and the way that you're treating the person are you treating the person as a person or Mm. are you treating them as an object that you're projecting your sexual Mm. fantasy onto and they just happen to be conveniently in the room at the same time i think if you treat people like trash it's not going to be sustainable but if you're there and you're enriching somebody's life and you're making them feel good and you, you everybody's having fun I think that's perfectly healthy, no matter how many sex people you sex you sex have. people sex people <laughs> sex, sex people, people you have. Oh my gosh, that's the clinical term. The clinical term. <laughs> how gooped would you be if this question was from a heterosexual person, like a heterosexual person uh, like asking us? I'm, I'm going to ask great. the gays a revolt. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Like if you're breaking away from heteronormative behaviour, then rock on. I, I would. I would it. ask gay people for advice for like if I was More heterosexual. Oh my yeah. god. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 
I get to be Blake this time, guys. Hi, Blake. This question comes from Blake. Um, he says, hi, Doc. Hey. I'd like to know your thoughts on foreskin restoration. I know a few people who have talked about getting it done, but I haven't heard too much about the benefits and risks of the methods, or even if there are safe or risky options out there. What are the pros and cons? I didn't even know this was yeah, a what? thing. I watched a little documentary honest. about it. It is fascinating. It's really mm. fascinating. I actually got like the the producers of the of that documentary had sent me a couple of questions <gasps> oh, as wow. well, which I, which I thought was kind of cool. But I think the first thing that you can do when it comes to foreskin restoration is don't circumcise people. Mm. Call me old fashioned, but the original is the best. Mm-hmm. What you're trying to do with foreskin restoration is is stretch the tissue like the the skin around the penis. Okay. So it's long enough that you've got enough to create a pseudo foreskin. Here's where it gets tricky is how do you choose which bit of the skin on the penis to stretch? Because if you stretch the skin at the base of the penis, guess what? You have a little furry penis. Um, a fair, well, oh, of oh, course. Because yeah, okay. the hairline gets pulled oh, down the yeah, shaft right. of the cock. Okay. So there's that. There's a number of devices on the market. Tugger, I think, is one of the devices. Is <laughs> that with a, without an E? Why do gay people not like the letter E? Why do we take it Tugger. out? Tugger. Like grinder. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tugger. Oh, or oh, Midsummer. Yeah. <laughs> um, Maybe it's with you. I, don't, is, I actually don't know. Is that the one, so is that the one with the, the bulldog clips and the elastic to the thigh? Oh, God. It's got elastic and it's got little silicon cups and it, it's quite a, a piece yeah. of engineering. That full and, on. And basically what it does is it part of it puts pressure on the head of the penis and the other part of it attaches around the oh, penis right, and yeah. pulls a section of the skin. So you want to try and stretch the non-hairy skin. But it's a big commitment. We're mm. talking like 18 months. Mm. And how to, often would you have to wear something like that? Pretty constantly. Every like, day. Wow. <laughs> yeah, every day. And here's the other thing is that we've all got those socks in the bottom of the drawer, right? That we're like, oh, they're not as good as they used to be. They're not as <laughs> tied around the leg anymore, right? <laughs> yes, so, I think I see where oh, this is going. Four skins, a genuine out-of-the-box foreskin has got a little ring mm-hmm. on the inside and that's what keeps it closed. And that's the yeah. tight bit that goes over the head of the penis. Mm. Some people it's really tight and they can't pull the foreskin back. Some people it's kind of loose, but it's still there. When you fashion a new foreskin, it doesn't have that ring. So you are kind of left with this kind of socky... This thing. is a real visual journey. Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, we need to like liturgical <laughs> dance, tambourines yes. and props. <laughs> More props. So, look, when I was younger, I felt extremely ripped off and I did tut to my mother quite a bit about why I got circumcised. Mm. And I did look into the exploration of getting a a foreskin restoration. And from the stretching perspective, it's a big freaking job and you may not find the outcome as good as you think it is. Mm -hmm. Call me stupid or ignorant or whatever, but... I do. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. All right. Next. Um... Is there, any pro- is there any procedure where they take skin from like another, you know how people get... Oh, like, like grafted. Grafted from somewhere else yeah. to fashion Ooh, a foreskin. I, I honestly don't know where, where are you going to take the skin from? Yeah. I've got a mate down Well, if you can band. get a donor foreskin, that'd be pretty cool. Look, there are some plastic surgeons in the world and mm. the reason that they're usually done in other countries is because the surgeon's usually trained in one country and then crosses right. the border to do the operation down south because right. you can get away with it there. And it's not yeah. regulated, yeah. Um, the outcomes are variable. In the same way as stretching and mm. stuff like that, you're never going to replicate a true foreskin. You're never going to replicate that little ring of tissue. Mm. It's a lot of money. Mm. It's a lot of risk. And the skin on your penis is really, really thin. And there's not many other places on the body that have thin skin like that. I think the opposite. Like I, I think too I, much. I, I, no, I think I grew up watching too many white guys in porn, no. too much American white mm. porn, mm. that my brain like clicked into like that's how a penis looks. Mm-hmm. And so for a while there, I like hated having a foreskin mm. and just thought maybe I'll get rid of this someday. Mm-hmm. Like similar to probably how this person's feeling. God, if you read enough Playgirl magazines in the eighties, mm. there were plenty of female pediatricians who used to write in going, "I can't believe it was so disgusting that you would allow." Right. A uncircumcised male to be a mm. centerfold and I was like this is the best centerfold ever mm. yeah and they were always arguing that the rates of penile cancer were higher in mm. in uncircumcised and there was also arguments male. about it being easy to catch STIs and things and, and or, look, or myths the or... tissue on the inside of the foreskin is like you can transmit HIV through the inside of mm. the foreskin but I think the key is don't circumcise babies it's a surgical 
procedure should be done by a surgeon mm. and consented for by the person getting it done. Mm. I had an American dude bring in a two-day-old baby <gasps> to oh. see me, saying, well, I need to get it done. I said, no, you don't. Mm. You don't need to get this done at all. Why don't you wait until the kid is 18 and then he can decide? And when I sat down and explained the role of the foreskin and how it's really important for the growth of the penis, but also during sex, the foreskin has a really important role Mm. because it allows the shaft of the penis to move in and out of wherever it goes Mm. smoothly. So it really should only be done for medical reasons as an adult. Uh, As an adult, but also in some kids... Like if somebody has a foreskin that's only got like a pin prick yeah. to be able to pee through, mm. then that's an issue and they they can get infections underneath there. And chronic mm. infections underneath the foreskin is a problem because you develop scar tissue mm-hmm. and the foreskin can then get stuck to the head of the penis. Right. But certainly within the hospital systems of Australia, in a public system, they won't do it for a religious reason. Mm-hmm. It has to be for a medical reason mm. to get it. Mm. And those reasons are becoming less and less and less these days. Uh, now, this next question, they've signed off uh, their email with obviously single. So, <laughs> obviously single says, Dear Dr. George, I have a question about being asexual. I listen to all of you speak about sex and what you like and what you don't like. Uh, we do talk about it a lot. <laughs> fair, fair they just read us. And uh, I feel like I'm a different species. Why does it seem no one actually wants long walks on the beach and candlelit dinners? One of my doctor friends said they don't think that asexuals actually exist Mm. and that I just need to find the right person to sit on my face. (laughs) Oh, that's an awful way. I hope the doctor didn't put it that way. (laughs) Uh, And they they finished by saying, is it possible to be partly asexual? Mm. Of course it is. Like, not everybody (laughs) likes sex. Mm. Remember we were talking a little bit about that little serotonin boost? Mm. So guess what happens as you get older? You become less and less sensitive to serotonin. And serotonin doesn't mean as much. Pensioners on Facebook, I wish that would happen. (laughs) Seriously, give up on the serotonin boost of, I just baked pancakes. (laughs) But as we age, we actually move from a sensitivity to the serotonin to another one called oxytocin. Mm -hmm. Oxytocin is a hormone that's released from the mother or to the mother when they're breastfeeding. And it's a sense of connection and trust. Mm -hmm. You get oxytocin from cuddling. You get oxytocin from touching and, and holding hands and stuff like that. As we age, the oxytocin becomes more important than the serotonin. So mm. we often find in relationships that the, the sex drive drops off a bit, but it's the companionship that's more important. And I think there are many reasons that people may not like sex, whether that be that they've had bad experiences when they were younger, and we must acknowledge that, mm. that there are people who've been put off sex because they've had horrible situations thrust upon them. And I do hope that they are given the opportunity later in life to find somebody that they can feel safe with and have a wonderful time with. But there are other people that it's just like, oh, no, not really. I'm just not into that. Mm. But if you enjoy companionship and friendship, then that's a wonderful thing. And I always say to my patients, I said, look, it's perfectly acceptable to not feel hypersexual. And I think really that as a society, we are constantly being this belief that we have to be super sexual all mm. of the time. And, you know, that the there is that that stereotype of that there's the ravenous yeah. um, <laughs> insatiable insatiable homosexual. Mm. And I know plenty of wonderful couples that don't have sex with each other, live out in the suburbs and potter around <laughs> in the yeah. garden and argue over whether or not they're going to have sausages or bristles for dinner yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. And I think that's, that's Kyle. wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> oh, bristles will oh, always oh, win in my book. I'm just bitch. saying. <laughs> I think there's another misconception about asexual people. A lot of people that aren't asexual mm. seem to have the perception that asexual people aren't able to feel love or have mm. relationships or things like, or like that. Emotionally <laughs> void and cut off. Yeah. Well, like, no, they can't, obviously, yeah. they have love with their family, but I think a lot of them think that they don't feel love towards other people in the yeah. relationship sense, which because you yeah. need to be able to have sex in order to have that, which thing. is not true. Yeah, sex isn't the only way to gain intimacy. Mm. There's lots of things that you can do and be very intimate and caring and loving with somebody, and you don't have to have sex. Mm. That's okay. Luke eats game cartridges with people. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, yeah. That was part of a sex thing. Oh, yeah. it, we actually had a fan message me once to talk sort of about this, but the complicated part mm. of it was he was in a relationship oh. with someone who didn't have like an extremely high sex drive, but just felt like having sex. Uh, and the sex was just not appealing to this person in mm-hmm. any way, shape or form. Mm. I think they were quite young and they, they were starting to 
considered the idea that maybe sex is just not for me, mm. but I love this person. Still love the other person. Yeah. yeah. Mm. How do I like navigate this relationship? Yeah. <laughs> My question to obvious single would be: Is this <laughs> causing you distress? If it's causing you distress, then it's always worth having a conversation. But if it's not causing you distress, then it's okay. There's a huge variation in desires and sexuality. It's like some people like tea and some people like coffee. It's okay to not like hot beverages at all. It's totally fine. You can drink yeah. Fanta. Next week, we are actually talking about long walks on the beach. Long walks on the beach. Promise you next week. Yeah, our next question is from Danny. He says, I'm blood type O negative and have always wanted to donate blood. It's illegal for me to donate because I have intercourse with men. And although I understand there are other regulations around this, for example, tattoos, recent surgery, drug use, etc., I think this is mostly discriminatory rather than regulatory. In recent years, the US lifted this ban, but you need to have been abstinent for at least three months. This is completely unrealistic and is still trying to prevent gay men from donating blood. I want to donate blood because I know it'll save someone's life one day. How can we advocate for change in this area? You know what? Yeah, I agree. It's a really funny thing, isn't it? That they don't want my blood, but they sure the hell want my organs, which mm. has been yeah. infused with the exact same faggoty blood. I, I remember I wrote about this a number of years ago and really did rattle the cage and rattled my tambourines about this because I agree that I'm sick to death of hearing we don't have enough blood and people are dying in the streets and uh, but we don't want yours. Yeah. Right? I think it is a noble cause to want to be able to save a life. Now, the, the reason for the ban is a numbers game that, unfortunately, that within the first world, HIV is most prevalent amongst men who have sex with men. So the chances of HIV positive blood popping up in that group of people was higher. And that's the basis of the ban originally was because they didn't have good testing and they just said, look, it's just safer and easier to block that ban. Now, I personally find it extremely offensive. Like in Australia, the rule is 12 months. You can't have sex for 12 months before you can donate blood. Mm. When we know that the window period for detecting HIV with any test is 90 days, that kind of blows that yeah. out of the window. But you can be heterosexual and and have condomless sex with as many people as you like at the pub mm. on a Friday night. And, you know, they will gleefully come and and accept your blood. But we also have to accept that heterosexuals are, are having sex amongst a group of people that has a significantly lower amount of HIV mm -hmm. within that. So I think we can continue advocating, but is there other things that you can do? Are you an organ donor? Do you know mm -hmm. how to do CPR? Are you first aid trained? If hmm. somebody's choking in front of you in a restaurant, do you know how to save that person's life? Get trained, get capable. I understand you can't donate blood, but you can save lives in so many other ways. Mm. You can reach out to somebody who is sad and upset and be a good friend and a good mate to them. Mm -hmm. Are there other ways that you can channel these energies? Because I think holding anger against the Red Cross for not accepting our blood isn't going to make them change their mind. Over time, the medical fraternity will continue saying, look, I think it's getting a little bit long in the tooth mm. this particular argument and we need to find better ways the main way that they actually test blood so the blood gets donated they pool it they put it all into a group and then they test say 10 batches of blood no with way. for a, a antibodies giant thing of blood oh my god just, but, but it'd be about a 10 like two the shining <laughs> <laughs> i'm just a visual thinker it'd be like no, no, two mop buckets worth two mop buckets worth oh, oh. yeah oh, well, it's oh. probably like it's probably like a <laughs> test tube with 10 drops in it or something oh, silly ridiculous yeah. like that but they take the 10 different donations and see if there's any antibodies in there if there's no antibodies all the blood gets passed through but if there is antibodies in there, then they have to go back and test every mm. single one, mm. right? And it's a numbers oh, I game. Saying, yeah. I think as testing gets cheaper, as testing becomes more effective, where we can just test individual blood and do a good quality screening HIV test before the blood's given, then that's a good thing. Because let's face it, donating blood is how some people have found out that they're living with HIV. Mm. That is an important part of that as mm -hmm. well. But the screening questionnaire, it feels discriminatory it's not about you it's about we have to protect a, a resource mm. and yes i agree i i disagree with the policy but i don't want to continue 
putting all of my energy into that one particular fight when there are other things that I could do. And Danny, please get CPR trained. Mm. Please, mm. you can save a life that way. Okay, we can't donate blood, but we can donate our organs. Mm. Um, are you registered to give your cornea, your heart, your liver, your kidneys? Because that will save somebody's life and make a massive change to somebody's life. Not any of these guys' lungs. I was they smoke a lot. Tom and I. <laughs> oh, boy. I haven't had a cigarette Yeah, for a it's few like days. they're probably itching for one right now. <laughs> you don't want my liver, though. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking Tom's liver, no. My lungs, no. Oh, Between God. the two of us, you could probably yeah. get one or two. I wouldn't organs. mind taking Kyle's eyes. They're nice. The cornea. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, can't you can, see in front of me. They don't look as good on a body. Bottle on the shelf. <laughs> <laughs> is it bad? I don't know what my blood type is. Do you? Is everyone no, I don't know there? what my blood like, okay. type is. No. Like, is it important? I guess if you can't give it, then it doesn't matter. Yeah. Does well, it? When yeah. you need blood, you'll find out. Pretty yeah, well. that's, that's true. true. But, yeah. but when, you, when you need blood, they're going to test your blood straight away. Yeah, okay. like, just because you say that you're O negative doesn't they're mean like, you sure, actually Jan. are. Is <laughs> 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 that like a rare? That's like a rare. I think that's rare. is pretty common. I got another anonymous one. So you know Why do you get all of the anonymous questions? You're writing these yourself. <laughs> I know this. Anonymous. Um, anonymous just asks, Doctor, when it comes to anal, this person isn't a wordsmith, but um, when it comes to anal, how far up can you go? How, how far, far up can, can you, you go? go? <laughs> oh my God, I can't believe you just... Oh, we're as pathetic as each other. Uh, it's a good question. So, yeah. How far up can you go? Well, how long's a colon, I suppose? In good news, the average penis is six inches and three quarters long, mm-hmm. depending on which country you live in. I s- the sky's the limit. You know, it's, it's interesting <laughs> because I, I was in Portland in April and I interviewed Scott, who is the manufacturer of Square Peg Toys. And we were talking about safety and all of that sort of stuff. And, and he was he sells toys that are very long. And we're talking like <laughs> half a meter long kind oh, of mm, toys. Mm. The colon, the sigmoid colon, which is the last bit. So it goes bum, rectum, sigmoid colon. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So, is that next to the semicolon? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, God. I'm sorry. <laughs> is this why you're on that side of the table? Yeah. <laughs> uh, carry on, carry on. <laughs> um, the part that you're going to receive in anal intercourse isn't that long it's probably about 15 centimeters long okay if the average penis is 10 to 12 then there's plenty of room there and it Mm. stretches and all that sort of stuff Mm. i suppose the more interesting question to me is what about the muscles around the bum Mm. because the pelvic floor is the reason that people get pain with anal sex because. I've heard of this pelvic floor thing well, before. Well, talk to your mother. <laughs> talk to your mother because she'll look at you and go, your head was so big. It ruined my pelvic floor. But it's a series of muscles that sits around the pelvis and the colon and the bum passes through that. And depending on the position of your legs when you're having sex, say, for example, you know how a lot of people within Asian cultures will squat to do a poo? Mm-hmm. That's because all of those muscles relax in that position, mm-hmm. which is why it's easier to have receptive anal sex in that position right because mm-hmm. those muscles relax that's why they invented the squatty potty yeah absolutely but yeah. I think more people have probably got concussions from squatty potties than anything <laughs> else it's like have you tried one yeah I found it quite relaxing actually when <laughs> they did. first released like, in my house my <laughs> I couldn't afford one so we had a washing basket in the bathroom. <laughs> I felt like, like one of the you know those drinking birds it's oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah I was so worried that I was in front of the toilet <laughs> I tried really really hard but without disabled toilet sort of Handles, things there's yeah. no way I'm going to be able to do that I'm just too old and... so look if you're not planning on turning any major corners in the bowel, then 15 <laughs> centimetres. There's your answer. Um, yeah. But if you're into fisting, if you're into like really long toys and stuff like that, then you can go quite a far way. If you've Whoa. ever had a colonoscopy, mm. the scope that's used for a colonoscopy is somewhere between one and a half and two metres long. That's as far as you can go. I don't know whether anybody would actually want to have an object inside their body, and I certainly would not recommend it. When it comes to fisting and sort of extreme toy play yeah, and people trying to push wild. their limits, obviously these are all muscles that you can train to get be able to relax more and, 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 and go further each time. Mm. What are some things you should be looking out for to know that you're maybe going too far mm-hmm. and possibly doing some damage, both well, as if you were to be the fister or the fistee or playing yeah. with big toys or whatever? So here's a really interesting thing is that the lining of the bowel doesn't mm-hmm. have pain receptors. Mm. Oh. So you only have pain receptors in the bum about as far as five to seven centimeters into the bum. Mm-hmm. After that, there's no pain receptors. So if somebody's being fisted and accidentally cuts the bowel, you won't feel it. Mm. There's stretch receptors, and that's why you get that sensation, oh, I need to do a poo. Yeah. That's the stretch receptors being activated. But there is no pain. Like in medieval times, one of the things they would do is they would open up the anus, put in a hot poker, oh, God, and God. perforate the bowel, and then remove it. The person wouldn't 
writhe in pain. Well, I suppose they would. But <laughs> I mean, it doesn't sound pleasant. No, but what often happens is the main injuries is people who have used large amounts of drugs and who go into fisting, mm. a day or so afterwards, they start feeling really unwell. They feel unwell. They get pain. So- yeah, it's it's because there's a cut in the bowel yeah. and, and they actually got a big infection going on. You're right. So I suppose the big thing is that if you're playing in the arse and you're, you're opening up to things, if you're seeing blood, if a day or so afterwards you're getting pain or discomfort, then go and get checked out. Mm-hmm. If you're getting a fever or anything like that. But I always say that if you're going to be doing this level of play, it's important you do it with an expert player, somebody mm-hmm. who's well known, who knows what they're doing. Don't use something. Substances. I did not <laughs> expect this question to go to medieval torture. Yeah, no, but I the stuff you learn at medieval school. <laughs> I get freaked out. Sorry, I know we need to move on, but I get freaked out because Twitter starts targeting me mm-hmm. sex toys now mm-hmm. because <laughs> they know what stage of my life I'm at. <laughs> um, You're at the D cell battery. <laughs> yeah, oh so. but there's one that I keep seeing, which is like a rotating. Oh. It's it's like a whirly bird. Like a oh, switch, it does the helicopter. Oh, like, like surely that yeah, yeah. fucks you up inside. It's going <laughs> like, like a helicopter. Like, like the, the, yeah, this, this is awesome. where the audio format yeah, yeah. really lets us down. Mm. I would love to walk into your bedroom and see you just <laughs> spinning around like the exorcist. Like a, <laughs> attached to a fan or something. Oh, exactly, yeah. yeah. And that just yeah. seems un, unsafe to me. Well, if you're buying so. toys, I always say something with a nice big base on it. Yeah. Something made with at least platinum grade silicon is very mm-hmm. good. Don't buy cheap sex toys, people. And one more anon. And now this is a drug related question. The drug G seems to be prevalent at every queer event I've been to for the past few years. And I've even done it myself on some occasions. It seems to me that a lot of people are aware of the risks of taking G in properly, or are at least convinced that they know how to take it properly, and for the most part have no issues. Some people I know substitute it completely for alcohol because it won't cause them to gain weight or lead to a hangover. My personal experience of taking G has been great. It's made me super horny and had me dancing and slutting it up on quite a few occasions. But no one I know seems to know what the long-term effects are for regular or casual G use. Can you tell us? Well, it's it's interesting. I was just at the Dean Street Clinic in London mm-hmm. and I met the amazing David Stewart. Now, yes. David Stewart is oh, a drug yeah. and alcohol counsellor and I learned so much from talking with him. So let's talk a little bit about G. So G is an agent and the reason people substitute it for alcohol is because they work in a similar sort of way. They're mm-hmm. both depressants on the brain. The thing about G, though, is that you may be surprised to know that there is no pharmaceutical alliance that makes G. So every dose you get mm. may not be the same strength. It's mm. not a reliable thing. And there's a thing called the therapeutic window. So that is how much of a drug will give you a good effect, how much of a drug will give you a bad effect. And that window is particularly narrow when it comes to G. So it doesn't take too much to take too much. What happens when you take too much? You can pass out. You can stop breathing. It can cause significant issues. If you slow your breathing and then vomit, you can inhale the vomit and Mm -hmm. people have died that way. Add things like alcohol Mm. and that totally changes the dose of G that you need as well. The other thing about G is because it's a disinhibiting agent, there are people who are doing things that they wouldn't normally do were it not for the fact that they'd taken G. So they might have sex in ways that they may regret later. Mm -hmm. There are plenty of people who will happily tell you that they've had wonderful times on G and they've never had a bad effect. Great. I'm really glad that you haven't had a bad effect. But I've been involved in the care of enough people who have overdosed, who have stopped breathing, who have had significant issues requiring them to be hospitalized whilst we wait for the drug to wear off, Mm. that it warrants. There's a reason that it's not considered legal. One more thing about G that a lot of people aren't aware of is that long-term use has withdrawal effects. People who use G, a lot of G over a weekend, the next few days, usually within 6 to 72 hours of stopping using it, you can get the withdrawal effects, which can be similar to the withdrawal effects of coming off alcohol, to the withdrawal yeah. effects of coming off benzodiazepines. So it is a very dangerous drug. Mm. It's not predictable. People who say that they can predict it are on it and 
are babbling. Yes. I don't, I'm, I'm not being rude. Yeah. No, and but, look, we're very drug positive on the mm-hmm. podcast, but we have talked before about personal preferences and that for those exact reasons, G is not something that we choose to do. For people that aren't that familiar with it, you know, when you see people out on it, and I've had friends that have been out on it, they've got f- timers set on their phones because it's oh, wow. because you've got so to be precise. so careful yeah. about the dosage that you're That's taking. That you've, you've mm. got to, you know, have certain doses at certain mm. times throughout the night. Mm. Um, and they will try and all sync yeah. up their dosage to make sure that they're all doing it at the same time. And, and I kind of think, well, once you're sort of a bit off your face and yeah, you're how measuring doses out that carefully, that sort of mm. got to lead to dangerous territory. Yeah. Do people mm. use G to spike people's drinks a lot? Because I feel like early in the year when my drink got spiked, a lot of people said it seemed like it was G. I know, by it's the way, it's an I was easy acting. drug yeah. to, to, liquid, to get into somebody's drink. Yeah. It wouldn't be difficult. Okay. Um, um, it is a liquid, apparently. I've never experienced G, I don't know, yeah. but it, it can be crystalline. It can be uh, easily dropped into somebody's drink. Mm-hmm. So if you're with somebody and they suddenly start feeling like super intoxicated, mm-hmm. listen to them and get them mm-hmm. help yeah. and stay with them. Don't abandon this person. Mm-hmm. If they pass out, call an ambulance. I don't care mm. where you are, call an ambulance. I, I've called ambulances on sex on premise venues and if somebody stops breathing you need to start helping them to breathe yeah i was at wet on wellington and somebody had overdosed on g and their friend was lovingly had them locked inside the toilet with their head hanging over the bowl of the toilet so they were vomiting and choking at the same time oh my god and i just pounded on the door said open the damn door i got them out i cleared the dude's airway so he could actually breathe Mm -hmm. and then we got an ambulance in Mm. to get him to the hospital while we waited for the G to wear off. Yeah. But it's such a dangerous, such a dangerous yeah. drug that if you were already a bit intoxicated, then you could get the next dose wrong or you mm-hmm. could get the timing wrong yeah. as well. If you're going to be using substances, let somebody know. Yeah. And when ambulance officers come, they're not the police. They just want you to be alive. To not die. And yeah. not die and get to the hospital in the same way. So if you've taken something or you know that they've taken something, just let the doctors know mm. because it makes a big difference in how the treatment would be. I've got a follow-up question about G, uh, which is not from the same person. This is actually from a friend of mine who asked me to ask this when I said you were coming back on the podcast. Um, this person was having sex recently, was the receptive partner in anal sex. Mm-hmm. The person that was fucking them came, went soft, so he could then pee in my friend, yeah. piss in my friend's ass. Mm-hmm. Now, the top were, had been high on G, and mm-hmm. my friend hadn't had any G, mm-hmm. but swore that later he felt like he was high. Is yeah. it he possible? G into him. Is it possible uh, to get high from yes. secondary? Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my god. We argued about what how much would be no, left no, no. in the system and I don't know the exact number, but I do know that it's excreted through the kidneys, so it the drug can still be intact inside the urine. So if you drink urine, Whoa. so if you're doing you, water oral or water sports as oral well. Oral water sports, could... but also up the bum is a great way to yeah. for it oh, to get straight it, into yeah. the bloodstream. Wow. As well. Oh wow. I, I thought he must have just imagined it, but No, oh, no. Oh. I, I one of the people that you know that I've read about in an article had actually ingested urine and then was working for the railway and lost their job because, because they had a positive oh, wow. drug screen. Yeah. That's really fascinating. Yeah. Helping I'll let them know. Geez. Thank you. Helping you pee P-G. the best G <laughs> you, you can, can be. <laughs> pineapple juice. Nothing more. Do not add anything to your pineapple juice. Please, people. And so we have one more question for you. Thank you again for joining us. I think these are some of the most important episodes. Very insightful. That we do. Even if it's just for informing the three of us. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no, I, I learn a lot from that as well. So, yes. um, but we have one last question from Amy. One of uh, It's great to get a, a question from a, wow, girls from a woman. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, so, Amy, I'm 30 years old and have recently been diagnosed with ADHD by a psychiatrist. I only saw the psychiatrist once as per a request made by my GP to diagnose me before starting to take Ritalin. I went back to my GP with an extensive letter from the psychiatrist recommending a low dose of Ritalin and ongoing therapy, but my GP now won't prescribe me Ritalin, despite the psychiatrist's recommendation. (laughs) Why are the GPs reluctant to prescribe a drug I know will help me get my life back on track? And what are my options? There's two answers to this question, but one of the answers is a little bit naughty. But I I wonder, Amy, did your general practitioner refer you to the psychiatrist because he wanted you to go on Ritalin or because he wanted the psychiatrist to say no? 
Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the way that the drugs work within Australia. There are a number of drugs that can only be initiated by a specialist. Ritalin, dexamphetamine, is one of those drugs. So a GP without high-level training, and there's not many of those, is not allowed to initiate Ritalin. So you have to get a tick from a psychiatrist. And please also be aware that Ritalin is dexamphetamine, so it has an extremely high street value. Mm. So there. Oh, so when are... people say dexies, that's Ritalin. That's Ritalin. Oh. Yeah, and so, so there you've are... had Ritalin. <laughs> <laughs> but there are certain people within our community who, that's their job, is to go around getting scripts for Rit- yeah. to Ritalin and to sell it. Mm. Um, And unfortunately, a lot of GPs are extremely cautious because they don't want to cause harm to anybody. And so they get caught in the middle. If, If a psychiatrist then says, look, I think you may benefit from a trial of Ritalin, then that's considered a tick. And then the GP has to apply for a license to be able to give that drug. Okay. There's a few drugs that are like that, but Ritalin's one of them. Xanax is, is one mm. of those drugs as well that you mm. need a license for. And it's actually, it, it's a couple of levels of pain. In Victoria, it's really painful and it's not a smooth system, unfortunately. But I know plenty of, of adults who do very well on Ritalin. So What I would actually say to Amy is that if she's seen a psychiatrist and the psychiatrist agrees that she might benefit from a trial and the GP is not willing, then I would go and actually seek out a general practitioner who does a lot of ADHD and talk Mm. with them. Because the added benefit is that if the general practitioner isn't actually comfortable with the prescription of Ritalin, their area of expertise may not be in that same area. So I would find somebody who's really got a passionate interest in that. If she, Amy's not getting the joy that she feels that she can get in, in Australia, she has the option of finding another doctor. So that's the first thing. And the other thing is that she may try the, the Ritalin and she might find that it's more annoying than actual beneficial. So some people will go onto the Ritalin and they go, oh, no, it just made me too speedy and I didn't like it. Mm. Other people will say, oh, my God, is this what it's like to have a normal brain? So if she's got a psychiatrist letter that says give it a try and the, her particular doctor isn't willing to, to go down that route, it might be better to find somebody who is more comfortable to at least explore that option. And thank you again, Dr. George, for being with us tonight. It's been super insightful. Fascinating. Yeah, I am, like, I am glad that you got so much value out of this because yeah. tonight oh my, is I... the <gasps> final episode of Series 7 of <laughs> Wentworth. So oh, I am yes. getting straight on the tram to go home and oh catch up oh, on what happened. I'm keeping you sick. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, so look, thank you very much. Yeah. Um, Do you have anything to plug? Yeah, I do actually. I'm I'm putting together a bit of a mailing list oh, for great. for people, and I want to send out regular health updates like every week. Oh, fantastic! Something interesting that I think all people should know about That's for being great. healthy. So mm. once I finally pull my finger out and get it ready, can I send you guys a link and absolutely we'll post it on I'd our page that. and in our group? That'd be great. Thank yeah. you, and look, thank you very much, you guys, for for that. And I really appreciate the fact that you've put out some healthy information to people. Thanks so much. Thank you. Yay, thank you. Have a wonderful week and I love your hair. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Sculpting. (laughs) Well, that brings us to the end of another informative educational episode with Dr. George. Yeah. Isn't he wonderful? So um, good. I think we all learned a lot I learned from way too much. <laughs> Stick around as well. We have an after show. Mm-hmm. Yes, if you want to have a listen Patreons. to it, you can sign up on patreon.com slash pod. Now, this after show we did record with Mikey. So, if you need just that last little slither of Mikey, you can go have a listen to that. Yeah. If you're feeling nostalgic. Yeah, and you're missing that. Cool. And thank you again, everyone, for your support and subscribing to our Patreon. We really appreciate we it. We love it. We hope you continue to enjoy. And if you are missing Mikey, over the next six months, we're going to be obviously missing Mikey, but we're going to be having a lot more special guests coming in to join us. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, if you've got any suggestions of people you'd love to hear on the podcast, Uh get in touch with us on our socials, which are... Gays Revolting Pod. On Instagram. On Instagram. All the gays are... I was like, everyone just looked at me. (laughs) You're the young Uh, social media one. (laughs) So we're Gays Revolting Pod on Instagram or the Gays Are Revolting on Facebook. And Gays Revolting on Twitter. And join our closed group. And if you really miss Mikey a few episodes, I'll just start talking like this. (laughs) That is nothing (laughs) like you, bitch. You bitch. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 